Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies and Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host Ben, and as always, I'm joined by Brad. What's up? This is going to be a unique episode, much like the movie we were going to review, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. This review is going to be split up into two parts. It's going to be me and Brad first, and then me and Keith. Let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, starring Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, Bing Rames, Simon Pegg. Got to take a deep breath, because there's a lot of people in this. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, S.A. Morales... Vanessa Kirby, Pop Clementine, and Henry Zierzy. Brad, what's this movie about? Ah, summer is always courtesy IMDb. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. What'd you think? It was real good. Everybody is good in this movie. Tom Cruise is always it's amazing. He's Ethan Hunt. Ving Rhames is good. Haley Atwell, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson. I mean, even the villains bring it. Like, S.A. Morales is real good. Palm Cummentith. We said she was sort of like the uh, the evil version of Mantis in this movie. They're all good. Uh, ben? I've been a fan of this series since it first came out in 1996. You know, this is the seventh movie. Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Part 2 are supposedly billed as the final installments for Tom Cruise anyway. You know, the anticipation was high. But it met my expectations. I was telling Brad that, you know, again, we went to an early one showing, early access, RPX, though. And on a Monday night, I wouldn't say it was full, but it was much, much more well attended than I would expect for a movie. You know? I'd, I'd say the theater was probably uh, maybe not quite half, but I think it was probably, I would say, at least third of the way full I think for a Monday night too I mean that's probably big business Tom Cruise basically has made the this series like an action spectacle really I mean there's some huge set pieces in here uh you know the one that keeps playing in the trailer of like Tom Cruise driving a motorcycle off a cliff the last maybe 20-25 minutes are it's just like just physical action and like these huge crazy set pieces and they did that take what like think what like said 17 times tom cruise is actually doing this stuff yes so he's jumping off this so moment, that yeah. makes it more believable that yeah. he is actually when he's actually doing this it makes you think okay this is believable where like in the fast and furious like spoilers for some of these movies here. I mean, they're going up in space. I mean, yeah. with cars. The cast list has been great. You know, they they obviously weave in some old faces and, you know, they but they still am able to balance the new faces and the, the newest being Haley Atwell. I don't, know, I don't know if she stole the show because uh, she is second build to Tom Cruise in this movie. She has that kind of like Catwoman, like, you know, thief energy going, you know, kind of charming and everything like that. And uh, I, I thought she was good. S.A. Morales... You know, he's been a TV actor for a while, so he's, been, he's done some other stuff. All the way back to La Bamba, but he's good. You know, I think he's saddled with some of this, like, weird superhero-esque villain talk. Yeah, like, uh, but it's it's kind of backed up, though. You know, we mentioned about interweaving. Vic Rames is an OG from the first movie. Yeah. Simon Pegg has been in the series since the third movie. But S.A. Morales, he's new. I feel like, because they hinted basically like they're going to give us the origin of Ethan Hunt, which is... Tom Cruise's character, maybe that's going to be uh, kind of unraveled a little bit more in the second part, which is due out next summer. But no, he's a brand new guy. Maybe before we do anything else, before we accidentally spoil this, even though by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be coming out on Sunday, and hopefully you would have seen it by now. But I think we'll just go ahead and do the reviews then. Brad, go first. I might be a little high on this 
uh, in the long run, maybe it'll go down a little bit in, in the year reviews. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Wow. There is, there's not many weak points to this movie. The acting is great. The story is good. There's a couple nitpicks I had, but nothing overwhelming. I've, I've been very generous this year with scores. Maybe some characters got shortchanged a little bit, but, I mean, it was kind of necessary. I mean, it's, like I said, there's not much negative to this movie. So yeah, so I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five. And I'm probably I might be the high man of the trio here. Yeah, definitely for me. And I love this series and it should be taken as a slight, um, but maybe I'll you think about it as um part one and part two and maybe it'll, maybe I'll re examine them um, as a whole movie. But I'm gonna give this one a three and a half out of five. Oh um, okay. And you know that's obviously that's no slight to this movie. There are certain plot developments that I did not particularly like because it's part of a like, it just continued to be part of a trend that I just don't like. I can't really explain it without really going to spoilers, but um, three and a half and four and a half. So, yeah. that's not a slight. That's a go see this movie. I think yeah. it might be maybe this is my recency bias. It's up there with Spider Man Across Spider Verse as like one of my favorite movies of the summer. Three and a half, though. I thought you at least went a four. Because uh, I thought about a four and I thought, thought that's just like, I can't. There was nothing I really... And then maybe, like I said, if I watch it again, maybe the story will hit me harder. Maybe it just don't make as much sense. We're going to do uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but only partially because, again, we're recording this early and there's just not a lot to go on for Brad, right? No. And the critics, I, I, I went ahead and did the critics because I think that probably won't change as much. Because, okay. I mean, this... They've, I think they've been reviewing this movie for at least a couple weeks now. So, it's been out, yes, yeah. Yeah, so, so I think the critics will be kind of safe to do here. But the audience... I've gotten no official numbers. I've looked into some of the audience scores, and I could have probably tabulated something, but I figured that might be on part two of this episode. It might need to be a little better. So, uh, Ben, I, kind of, I might have spoiled it already, but what's your thoughts on the audience score or critic score? If I get this right, I'm gonna take. I'm not gonna take any credit because either subconsciously I heard you when you said it, or I mean, they're already kind of uh, bragging about it in the commercials. In the trailers. In the trailers. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's 99, right? It is very close. That's 98%. Oh, uh, 98. 98%, 190 reviews. Okay, never so. mind. Don't see this movie then. Yeah. It's, uh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's down. <laughs> yeah, that 1% down. Critics consensus, uh, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, with world-threatening stakes and an epic set pieces to match that massive title, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 proves this is still a franchise you should choose to accept. Okay. You would do spoilers? I can do spoilers. Spoilers! Turn away! It, it's hard to really explain the plot. We didn't mention it before the, before the spoilers, but it's written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who is a frequent Tom Cruise collaborator who wrote Top Gun Maverick last year, and he's been writing these and directing these Mission Impossible movies uh, since Rogue Nation. But, you know, this enemy, so Top Gun Maverick basically had a, like, a unnamed nation. So, kind of, you know, cynically, they're not going to piss off anybody for the box office. Mm-hmm. And this one, instead of, like, an arms dealer or somebody who's, like, trying to grab a MacGuffin to, like, I don't know, rule the world... It's literally AI, which, you know, um, as we record this, I mean, AI is kind of scary. Tom Cruise is basically fighting, like, an AI thing, and then, like, S.A. Morales, who I assume is a a human, is, like, kind of, like, the embodiment of the AI, or just, like, he's working in concert with it. We probably spent too much time on this. Like, actually, like, who cares? I mean, it's it's every Mission Impossible movie is the same, right? There's a MacGuffin to be found. A whole bunch of people want it, and our boy Ethan Hunt is like, okay, he's like always in the right, being like, you know, like, let's keep it out of the wrong hands. My biggest reason why I maybe didn't score as high as you might have thought, Brad, is so Rebecca Ferguson has been his like 
kind of love interest yeah. or whatever, like yeah. kind of the main female lead in this series, mm-hmm. and then they kill her off basically to replace her with Haley Atwell, and I just it doesn't sit right with me. I can see she 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 gets kind of shelved early. She comes back and then she dies. And, you know, we're seeing this with Secret Invasion, and this has been a long trope of just, like, the female character has to die to kind of take the male character to the next level uh, and motivate him. And I just... Yeah. I didn't, I didn't say it right. That it's like... Basically, it's basically she's, Rebecca Ferguson's being cycled off for Haley Atwell. And no disrespect to you of them. I love them both. But I just felt like... It's kind of lame. To I me. see your point. And I definitely thought that, but I also thought it's not just to motivate Ethan Hunt. It's also to show sort of like what Gabriel was saying. It's like everybody that Ethan either cares about or he uses women as mission. That's what he. That's the statement he makes. Sure, sure. And yeah, that's that sounds brutal, but I mean. Ethan Hunt is a lot about the mission. Now, granted, he's fallen in love at least twice now, uh, maybe a third time. So I can see where you're coming from, Ben, but I can also see what the director was trying to do. But it does fall, it does seemingly fall into that trope. Speaking about Ferguson, I do love her part as Ilsa Fall. She's, she's just she's she's, underused. Well, yeah. underused a little bit. Well, I think, honestly, a lot of the women are underused. They are. Even uh, Vanessa Kirby, uh, the White Widow, yeah. I have looked at. She's up, from the she's from the previous movies yeah. too. Love the last one. And Paul Clementif, she's kind of a badass, but we don't really get to see her be a badass enough. I yeah. think. I yeah. mean, she has like maybe one or two scenes. Yeah. I think uh, you know. I think she'll come back. I think she's supposed to be coming back in the second one, so maybe yeah. she'll have more Honest, more to do. Honestly, and this is like wild accusations here. I think they're setting up for. A whole another set of movies with a whole another crew. I mean, I, no, I I definitely agree with you. I feel like maybe maybe Haley Atwell is going to be the new could be the new Ethan Hunt, which is either either Haley Atwell or I think uh, Degas. I think Degas is probably going to be a part of the. I, I mean, it's a stretch, I know, but I mean, he could be part of the crew, but yeah. I don't know if he's going to be. He's not going to yeah. be Ethan Hunt. Yeah, um, no, I, I don't I don't think he will. But I mean, it's just like I think they're setting up a lot of things here. So I mean, it's interesting because I think he was either. Ghost Protocol or or Rogue Nation, you know Jeremy Renner was in a couple of these movies, and he's been kind of the understudy for a couple franchises between the Mission Impossible movies and even like the Jason Bourne stuff, and it just hadn't worked out for him. Um, in this case, it was like he was like Jimmy Garoppolo. Jeremy Renner was like Jimmy Garoppolo. He was just trying to wait out Tom Brady. And, and then just, Tom Brady just kept going, yeah. and Tom Cruise just keeps on going, yeah. and he just waited out all yeah, his I mean, understudies. I mean, Renner's had his own share of health issues now, unfortunately, so maybe he'll never be the same. But it would be interesting because I hope they bring him back. Yeah, we don't have Angela Bassett in this movie either, who was in the last one. Though, if you look carefully in the one scene, and there's one scene where like all the intelligence people are like talking about you know, what's to be done with this AI. Mm-hmm. You see a picture in the background, like, on the wall and stuff, so maybe she's going to come back. Yeah. But. Why don't we jump right back to the, uh, I hate to call them sidekicks, but his associates. Uh, Ving Rains as Luther Stickle, mm-hmm. and uh, Simon Pegg as Benji Dunn. I, they did a wonderful job here. I really Always good. That. Yeah, Always good. So. They're, they're not only the, I, I put down tech guys, but they're, they're definitely more than that. They, especially because they've, they've been in so many movies together. They've basically built up a, a repertoire and a friendship and all that where it's just a rapport. There goes what yeah. I was looking for. And just Ving Range just be the voice of reason for Ethan. And Simon Pegg does a real good job here because he's, he's really mainly known for most roles as comic relief, but he definitely takes the serious role well with this one. I mean, it's just, 
he can tell he's for his friends. Like he's got nothing else but his friends. Yeah. What was your best act? What was your uh, most exciting or your favorite action piece in this movie? That's a good question. I like the car chase. I think smaller, I, smaller ones I thought was pretty inventive. Uh, there's a scene where Tom Cruise. Ethan Hunt is basically trapped between Palm Clementif and another henchman, and they're fighting in a very narrow, near narrow alleyway. You can't really move, and I yeah. thought that was just kind of a that was a new take on on you know the on the hand to hand combat stuff. Yeah. So, Even the close space combat. Yes, most yeah. of the times you don't see it like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that top of the train on the rooftop, the the Gabriel and the trade off between uh Grace and uh Ilsa fight was was, was, was pretty, pretty cool. good. So I think we've talked way enough. So yeah. I, I think you know, go see this movie. Yes. For sure. Then to reiterate, three and a half for me and four and, four and a half, half for Brad. So um can't that, wait for part two uh with you and Keith. So yeah. Maybe yeah. I wonder how Keith is uh how Keith will uh will he split the difference or will he just jump up and give it a five, I'm wondering so So yeah Part two of this review is coming up soon, and part two of this movie hopefully will be coming out next year, and we'll review it. But um, yeah. um, so I'm just going to wrap this part up, and um, stay tuned for uh, part two with Keith in a second. Peace. All right, so I'm back with Keith, and just to recap, you know, Brad gave this movie a four and a half, and I gave it three and a half, but. You know, Keith couldn't watch it with us. Because I'm a reverse vampire, and I can't stay up till 10 p.m. <laughs> Just to clarify for everybody. But he did get it in at a, what is it? Like What time did you see? You, you know, they Saturday? didn't have the 11 a.m. show, so I went to a noon. So mm-hmm. it still takes up your entire afternoon. That's yeah. okay. I'm just going to turn it over to Keith. And Keith, you know, you can say what you need to say. Again, since this is the second segment of this review, and we've already lifted the spoilers, so, you know, I feel comfortable to just talk freely about it and not worry about uh, revealing any plot points or anything like that. So, uh, Keith, what did you think about this movie? Well, you know, I really liked it. And, you know, first off, you know, hats off to this movie summer. It's been full of good movies, you know, raunchy comedies and blockbusters. And this one falls in line with it. It's one of the best of the summer. It's, of course, the biggest spectacle of all, and it really didn't disappoint. It's got thoroughly ridiculous action scenes, of course, and just great performances all around. And, you know, this is, of course, a Tom Cruise movie, and he gives it all. But you can't exaggerate just how much this movie is all about the women, and they really rule. Um, there's three in big roles, of course. You know, Haley Atwell gets the most attention. I think she was second billing after Tom Cruise. And she should. Her grace is essential to the plot, and since spoilers are off, you'll find out at the end she's going to play a big part from here on out. But her, um, you know, her thief, she's a thief kind of caught in the middle, and she really goes toe-to-toe with Cruise, and it's just fun to watch. Rebecca Ferguson, Ferguson always makes me smile, and... You know, Vanessa Kirby gets more to do in this one, and she's really good as the White Widow. But I think Brad, in his first segment, probably already gave the um, you know surprise MVP award to Palm Clementif as Paris. But, you know, she kind of sneaks up on you because she's wearing that kind of white, I think it's no Japanese makeup. I wasn't even sure it was her. She's silent almost throughout. But in the end, um, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking, and it just makes, just makes for a fantastic finish. So, you know, I've been, I couldn't think of an action movie unless you pick one where the woman is the actual star that has so many women in prime roles, and they were all great. And I did like also how this ties back, you know, to the very first original you know, movie by De Palma in the, um, through uh, Eastside Morales' Gabrielle and the return of Henry, I believe, Cherney's Kittredge. You know, um, Kittredge, I was, I'd love to see Kittredge again. And, you know, um, it was, it's just nice, and it really sets up well for part two. I will say, with all these powerful women around, um, I was glad to see Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames again, but Rhames in particular, they don't have a lot to do. 
These guys smartly kind of act their age. Um, they don't get on the action like Cruz. You know, Peg has more to do. He kind of um, has a big part in the big finale. But it's still the, nice that Cruz is so loyal, and it's just, just nice to see them. You know, and one thing I have always liked about this series is as high-tech as this gets, they know it's cheesy. The whole thing with the masks is almost out of face-off. And it still makes it fun to watch, even though it's silly. A couple final thoughts. You know, I liked Across the Spider-Verse more. That's a better movie. That's the name of this, the new one, right? Across yes. the Spider-Verse. But as a part one, this one had a much more satisfying ending. Um, I mean, it was a fantastic finish with the Cispolas were off the train, hanging off the cliff is one of the craziest action scenes I've ever seen. You know, it just, everything wraps up perfectly. Like, there's a little narration telling you that Cruz thinks he's cracked it, but he really hasn't. It was much more satisfying than the end. There was the, really the only flaw of Across the Spider-Verse was the end, you know. And if we had, we had watched this together, you would have seen me you know, laughing throughout. Some of it at the dialogue, which is a little cringeworthy. But I was laughing in particular at the finish, just because it's so ludicrous. I mean, hats off to Tom Cruise. He's kind of our, kind of our Jackie Chan, that he does all this crap, even though he's 60. And, you know, he did apparently, since spoilers are off, not drive motorcycle off a cliff, but he did drive off a giant ramp. And he really gives his all for these. And they're just so much fun to watch. You know, we'll probably, after, after this, get into our rankings, but, you know, this is not as good for me as Ghost Protocol or Fallout, but it's, you know, mid-level Mission Impossible. Still makes it pretty great. I, I'll be curious to see how it fares with Barbie and Oppenheimer. I think it still might come out on top. It's a thoroughly fun ride, so I will give it, as Ben does like to say, an affectionate three and a half stars. Well, why don't we do uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and then you have the box office. I do. Like, well, just for this one, but yeah. Okay, okay. Which I assume is going to be number one. Uh, I didn't look, but it has to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, well, this is good because when Brad and I recorded on Tuesday, the you know the movie hadn't really been out, so there was an mm -hmm. audience review. But so, guess both. What um, critics okay. and audience? Well, I'll go audience first. Oh, no, critics first. They're always critics are always a little harder, but everybody loves this movie. I'll go eighty-five. Fans, I can't see anybody having any problem with this movie. I'll go 95. Okay. You're pretty close on the audience, and, you know, I think I've only seen, like, one or two bad reviews about this. So, mm -hmm. critics, as of Sunday, it is 96%. Wow. And audience is 95. Wow. Yeah. That's good. It's well-deserved. I mean, there's, I can't, but like, like I said, the dialogue's a little clunky, but it fits the spirit of the movie. I don't really, I didn't have really problem with it, you know. Yeah, there's some meta-ness to it, which I enjoyed. You know, there are a lot of times where, you know, I think the two that I, I think mentioned before with Brad, I thought were very meta, you know, towards the end on the train. You know, Shea Wiggum's character, again, to reiterate, and Greg Tarzan Davis, they're pursuing mm -hmm. Tom Cruise and his crew. And, you know, they get to uh, kind of a philosophical debate, and Shea Wiggum's like, he always goes rogue. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he always goes rogue, but then Craig Tarzan Davis is like, "Well, he always had a good reason to yeah. do so, right?" And that's what these movies are. This one, he's going rogue, but exactly. he has a good reason because he doesn't want the <laughs> he doesn't want the MacGuffin to end up in the wrong hands, which basically is every movie. Yeah, exactly. That's every movie. And the plot of this one is ludicrous. There's this AI being that's kind of taken over, but I did appreciate that you know it's all about AI now. They were smart enough to make that. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what the strike is all about, too. So it's, yeah. you know, pertinent for in all kinds of ways. And, I, you know, I kind of knocked Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg, but I don't want to. They had fun. And my favorite stretch of the movie was not even the action scene. I liked it when they were pitching all the scenarios to Grace, and they were playing out how ludicrous they would be. And, of course, you knew they would be ludicrous, but they would work. That's why it was so funny. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just a great movie all around. 
Okay, Ooh. so the audience rating is 95, but how did they rate it with their pocketbooks? So what's the box office? Well, for? I will tell you that the expectation was 90 million. But, you know, in this summer, that would have been amazing. I think the blockbuster, you know, average is like 50 for... I feel like the last couple of movies we've talked about, like the Transformers movie, Flash... Uh, even Indiana Jones was another one that people expected to do really well. It was all been sitting about the 55, 60, 65 million dollar mark. So, well, this one smartly has a five day total. We we couldn't decide which what that is. Like maybe Wednesday through Sunday, I don't know. But seventy eight million. So it came close. That was a good number. And I do think this will have some staying power. It's Tom Cruise. Good word of mouth. Like I said, I would not be surprised if it beats out Barbie and Oppenheimer. I, I, those are kind of niche movies. So we'll see. You know, Tom Cruise has kind of taken on this mantle of like champion of movie theaters mm -hmm. and movie experience. And both this and Top Gun last year, um, you know, I, I think we've seen it with the audience. Brad and I saw it in a very early showing. But, you know, like we said before, um, the movie movie theater was pretty packed for a Monday, one showing sneak peek. And mm -hmm. I don't know, what was, the, what was the crowd like for your, for your showing? It was quiet. And there was maybe a third full. I did, I did notice that people, along with me, were... Laughing a lot at the groan-worthy lines and also at the finale. So people were into it. It wasn't like they were cheering or anything, but it was, it was a fun crowd. Yeah. I mean, Top Gun was better, but these are two really good movies. I know you've kind of revisited some of these movies, Keith, and uh, you know yeah. we, we like lists, so oh, where's, yeah. this, where's this rank right now? I would still put the Brad Bird. Ghost Bird of Call is my favorite of these movies by far. Fallout, like then we were talking off, off screen, people say Fallout is a perfect action movie. That's fine. It is. It's got great action. I would put this number three. I didn't do a full list, but it's it's right up there. I would put I would put this three and then the original number four. And I told Ben I tried to watch uh, number two. I did watch number two again out of respect for John Woo and Thandaway Newton, but that is a bad movie. It is definitely the worst. It's it's, it's <laughs> of this time. If you just want pure action, I mean the, the fight with Tom Cruise at the end with our guy Dugray Scott. I mean that's oh, yeah. pretty cool and everything oh, like that. Oh yeah, but it always there's always moments. There's some, there's some good pieces in there. Well, I looked at Brad Burr because I'm curious. Mm -hmm. He has not directed anything since The Incredibles two, and his only thing listed is in development, no title. So you can't see it without paying for IMDb. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, a little diversion. I got yeah. I got a little sidetracked. Yeah. You know, I'm, ba I'm back. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, this probably I would say this movie. So where, yeah, where do you the biggest, it? oh. It's tough because it's a part one. I mm -hmm. would say does it? I don't think it cracks my top three. I would think again. I love as much as I love John Woo. I think Mission Impossible Two is probably the weakest one. I liked Mission Impossible Three with J.J. Abrams. My, that was a, that was a pretty solid mm -hmm. one. Um, you know, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation. Fallout, they're all up there too. And the original one, when I was starting to like watch movies and being devoted and entertainment weekly, in the mid nineties, like everybody was out on De Palma, I felt like. But you know, I mean De Palma <laughs> De Palma's great. Same thing as John Woo. Like, maybe they haven't done anything great in a long time, but you know, the body of work like for De Palma. Oh yeah, look at Blowout and uh, I can't Carrie. I, oh yeah. There's, yeah. there's plenty more that I there's, can't think of. There's a uh, lot of uh different Different good movies out. Same thing with Woo. So. The one I need to watch again is Rogue Nation. I don't have much memories of that. And I'll probably watch it again tonight. Who knows? Um, yeah, it was like on FX. You know, in fact, I think it was when Brad and I were recording on Tuesday. It was like on FX. Were you watching it while you were recording? <laughs> yeah, just passively. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So why don't we go ahead and wrap this part up finally. Part two of a part one of a movie. Uh, <laughs> it's very meta here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to see part two. I mean, obviously... Yeah. 
We want to see what the conclusion mm-hmm. is. Um, that summary. I'm, I'm curious. It's a good setup. Yeah, oh. yeah. We will... Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they'll bring back some of the other folks that we did not see in the first mm-hmm. movie, like Jeremy Renner, Angela Bassett. Maybe they'll continue to dig back in the catalog. Maybe we'll yeah. see some people from, uh, you know, the third movie or the second movie as well. So. And for you Ted Lasso fans, Ben told me that Hannah Waddingham will be in the new one. Yes, so yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay, so <laughs> Keith, where can they find us? We're at moviesandameal.og at gmail.com or moviesandameal on Twitter and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Yeah, okay, so for this episode of Movies and the Meal, I'm Ben. And Keith. <laughs>